So welcome to the HIV Prevention in General Practice podcast. I'd like to acknowledge that this is being recorded on various Aboriginal lands around New South Wales and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I'm Miriam Grotowski, a G rural GP in New South Wales with many years experience in the HIV sector, but also like you, I'm a GP in practice um, on a daily basis. Today, we're going to be looking at the New South Wales Health Collaboration and its collaborative approach to HIV prevention. It's been a partnership between New South Wales Health and Public unit, Health Units, GPs in primary care and the community most affected. This strategy has proven very effective. In the five years between 2015 and 2019, we saw HIV diagnosis decrease by almost 20% amongst New South Wales residents. And a lot of this was due to the efforts by the Men Who Have Sex With Men, or MSM, community. In that community alone, we saw a decrease by 25%. In the first quarter of 2022, 30 new HIV diagnoses occurred and that was around half of the typical average per quarter. Much of this is due to the improved access to care, clear, consistent messaging in the community, and of course, the access to PrEP or pre-exposure prophylaxis. But more can be done, and as GPs, we are well placed to do just this. We know that this is a good news story. There are decreased diagnoses, decreased transmission, but we are also wondering if some of this is due to the effects of COVID-19. Testing was down in 2020 compared to 2019. So, knowing all this, today we're going to discuss, as GPs, our role in con this continuing success story. This podcast will help us recognise at-risk groups for HIV and STI testing, to identify challenges and solutions for discussing and providing HIV prevention in general practice, and to identify tools and resources that facilitate HIV prevention in general practice. Importantly, we're going to hear about the lived experience. So joining me on this podcast today, I have Dr. Michael Burke, a GP working in Sydney, and Jimmy Yu. So I'm going to pass over to them to introduce themselves to you. We might start with you, Michael. Thank you, Miriam. Uh, great to be with everyone today. Obviously a very important and challenging topic. Um, I work as a GP in Western Sydney in the suburb of Blacktown, uh, and I have um, maybe 40 or 50 people uh, with HIV that I see and manage. And I'm always on the lookout to do prevention work as well. I find this work very rewarding. Fantastic, and thanks for joining us, Michael. Jimmy. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Jimmy Yixiang Chen. Um, I'm currently working as a peer educator at a sexual health testing clinic called A-Test. And NAPWA as a network project officer. I've also been living with HIV since 2017. Thanks, Jimmy, and we really appreciate being joined by someone with lived experience. I think as GPs, it'll improve our understanding and our approach to HIV prevention in our practices. So, Michael, I might begin with you. Could you tell me, as a GP, how did you first get interested in the HIV sector? Uh, well, obviously, um, I, I went through 
full in the 1980s, uh, and the newspapers were full of uh, this uh, new disease that was emerging, uh, that was something we didn't know much about. Uh, and uh, obviously, curious person, I was very keen to learn more uh, and make a contribution in that space. So I uh, participated and uh, joined with uh, the Australasian Society of HIV Medicine. Uh, I think it was just the Australian Society of HIV Medicine at that time. Um, and uh, that was very helpful, a you know, very supportive group of uh, clinicians and community members. Uh, and I did a little bit of work in Australia and then I did a stint in uh, East Africa. Uh, and at, certainly at that time in East Africa, the major public health issue of the day was HIV. It's a very interesting journey and I think some of us can relate to that. But Michael, the experience in East Africa, what was that like? Um, very, very challenging. Um, uh, uh, the, the settings obviously different. The resources are much less uh, uh, available. Uh, and probably more importantly, there was a lot more fear and a lot more stigma. Uh, so um, people were uh, infected, um, um, uh, but they, they also had the extra burden of being uh, stigmatized by the community. Um, and it's really fantastic to know that in Australia, uh, through appropriate linkages and support and uh, discussions between groups and medical people and researchers, uh, a lot of that stigma is, is much, much less in our country. And I think general practice has a very key role uh, in ensuring that A, we provide good uh, medical care, but also contributing to um, stigma and providing uh, appropriate links in the support chain for people with HIV. Well, I couldn't agree more, um, Michael. I think that responsibility beyond our own practice to be considerate of the community that is out there and these prevention strategies that could be relevant for all our um, patients is really important to keep in mind. So you mentioned, you know, obviously the experience that you had overseas and the differences between um, that experience and your work in the Australian context. So what, what rewards do you get from working in the HIV sector um, in Australia, as a GP particularly? Oh, I, I, Miriam, I think uh, there are many, many rewards. Um, I've worked for a long time, I worked for a long time in uh, East Sydney, in Central Sydney, with a great group of practitioners and uh, made some very good friends there and learnt a lot. Um, uh, and of course have uh, collaborated with and been a part of the ASHAM world. Uh, and again, that's been very helpful. Uh, generally, uh, uh, people who work in this sector are, are very highly motivated, very committed, uh, very uh, encouraging people. Uh, the group tends to want to support each other and to build our skills, build our knowledge and equip us uh, to make us better able to support uh, all, all people in the community. Uh, and more recently I've been working in uh, Western Sydney in Blacktown uh, in a, 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 a sort of a large medical centre. Um, but again, working with colleagues and providing, I guess, a special uh, skill or a special interest to support the community of Western Sydney. Uh, working, of course, in collaboration with the local sexual health centres and local infectious diseases people. So quite a varied journey, Michael, you've had with this um, experience with HIV and it's really useful to hear that. So I think thinking about the varieties of GPs that will be listening to this and the many demands that are on general practitioners to be involved in prevention activities in a broad way, um, when you're encouraging GPs to think about HIV prevention specifically in their day-to-day -day practice, what advice have you got for them? 
well, um, we, we know now that HIV is a very treatable condition. Uh, people are diagnosed uh, uh, and, 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 and on treatment and being well supported, their life expectancy same as everyone else in the community. So that's uh, incredibly rewarding. Uh, we need to uh, do as much prevention as we can, uh, diagnose as we can, get people on medication as early as we can, encourage them to take their medicines, their fully adherent and their viral load suppressed, and then provide all the appropriate social support. Life uh, is, is optimised. Um, prevention is very important, um, and we need to uh, uh, be involved with uh, uh, individuals and communities and support them in a way to ensure that they can be, uh, they have the opportunity to be tested and they have the opportunity to be treated. So I might swing to you now, Jimmy, and, and just ask you, so the conversation that Michael just had about a GP's role in both an individual um, context but also in the community, the prevention me methods that have been mentioned, which do you think are the most popular and the most useful perhaps that you'd like to highlight for GPs listening? Um, I think most day, uh, these days, uh, the most popular one, there's no doubt, is PrEP uh, to use it to prevent HIV. Uh, more and more people are taking it, and also especially uh, to culturally and, uh, culturally and linguistically diverse community as well, uh, which is a great improve because uh, earlier we also mentioned about uh, there's a more newly diagnosis in uh, different communities such as uh, uh, temporary visa holder or maybe who's a uh, migrant background. Um, so in like by taking PrEP, this is uh, a great prevention method. They uh, can use it to prevent HIV. Absolutely. And I guess in my experience, I work in a rural community where perhaps um, there is less likelihood that um, a GP is seeing patients with HIV on a regular basis, but they're certainly going to be seeing patients who are at risk of HIV transmission and having conversations, raising the topic, being aware that we can help with prevention messages generally around sexual health is I think something that we can all participate in more, more than we are now. Perhaps you can help us brainstorm enablers to help this particular group of MSM access uh, prevention strategies because data tells us that they're a bit overrepresented in the new diagnoses. So Jimmy, as someone who came to this country and was diagnosed with HIV, what prevention methods would have been good if they were offered to you? Um, I guess back then, uh, I, I wish that I know uh, what my risks are in terms of like for, uh, for HIV, but also uh, understand about HIV window periods because when we say window periods, that sometimes even uh, like someone who came into clinic as a, uh, speak English as a first language, they couldn't quite understand what is window periods. And sometimes it can be quite confusing, like the three months window periods or six weeks window periods. And what does it mean like, does it mean like they are HIV negative completely? So that means that they can uh, like, don't need to worry about HIV until next time they get tested. Um, so I would like to know more about window period, but also to know my risk. Are. But the second uh, option, uh, second things that we, I wish I would know is about uh, prep. Um, so back then, because I wasn't thinking I am particularly in risk, so I never thought about prep. And but I guess 
reinforcement uh, while the GP talking about prep constantly at each consultation understand you know I still have sex and maybe can use prep as a prevention strategy or maybe using condom or the last one which is undetectable as well uh, this could really help me back then I was pretty uh, naive and thinking uh, I test regularly using condom often and also don't consider I, I was sexually active but I uh, start living with HIV since 2017 so it, there's a page that just doesn't really uh, uh, making me understand why but uh, after diagnosis I kind of like starting to understand uh, the important of window period um, while discussion about HIV status with sexual partner Thanks, Jimmy. So you've shared some, some really useful information and I appreciate your, your frank sharing there. Um, it's interesting, you've mentioned various prevention strategies there and, and really information that would have maybe given you more choices and more understanding about risks. So Michael, I'm going to come to you. We're talking about prevention strategies. We're throwing around this word PrEP, which stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. What are we meaning and what do you want to highlight for the GPs? Well, thanks, Miriam, and uh, thanks, Jimmy. Yes, uh, I mean, in general practice, uh, people come with a whole range of uh, issues and challenges. Sexual health is a very important part of our lives. Uh, we need to look after our patients, take care of them, be aware that they may find it difficult to bring this topic up. Uh, we need to be sensitive, we need to be respectful, and we need to try and normalise these discussions as, as much as we can. Uh, so that's uh, an area for all of us to, to work on. Um, and of course, uh, in the sexual health space, a, a big group to consider offering screening to is the 15 to 29 year olds with an annual chlamydia uh, test. That, that's a very helpful intervention. Um, and uh, of course, then we have uh, opportunities for general, general uh, uh, sexual, sexual health screening. Um, it's important to ascertain or to learn uh, the partner of, of the person. Is it, is, uh, is it a male partner? Is it a female partner? Or is it both? This needs to be done with sensitivity and respect. Uh, and of course, as, as Jimmy's mentioned, we now have opportunities to have uh, medicines which help with pre-exposure prophylaxis of HIV, PrEP. Um, PrEP's great. It's been around now for a couple of years. Uh, it's helping many people. Um, it protects against HIV and is very effective in doing that. Doesn't protect so much against other sexually transmitted infections. So I tend to think of PrEP as being both taking the medicine and then getting the three-month test. Uh, so uh, so it's, you know, it's important that people can come in, see their GP, feel safe about raising these issues uh, and seek the opportunity of being on PrEP. Um, PrEP is, is great. It's a, a tablet, uh, usually a tablet a day, um, or it can be taken uh, in a, a three-day uh, format. Uh, it's a, they're antivirals and of course now with COVID we've all had lots of experience with prescribing antivirals um, and it's, uh, it's very safe uh, and it keeps people safe, minimal side effects and uh, there are many tools to support you. Uh, you don't need to be an expert to prescribe PEP, uh, PrEP, uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis of HIV uh, and there are places where you can seek out information and support uh, you've got your local sexual health centre in your uh, local hospital. You've got uh, the sexual health information link. 
So, Michael, any GP out there can prescribe PrEP? Tell me more. Yes, um, Miriam, very good question. Thank you for asking that. Yes, PrEP uh, is able to be prescribed by any GP. Uh, it's within our scope of practice. It's very doable. Uh, it's a PBS medication. Uh, if you're wanting guidance, uh, I'd contact your local sexual health physician or sexual health service or contact the sexual health information link. They're, they're two great resources, yeah. Um, and, and you can remember those. Guys, it's to phone a friend, that sexual health information link. It's just a really useful um, resource to remember because they can give you advice about PrEP and many other things. So, Michael, you were going to go on to say there is a tool, there's something that helps us if we're not used to this prescribing that will take us through the steps. Just a brief overview of that. Um, yes, there is a tool available. Um, it's a two-pager. Um, it's available through the ASHAM website, so Google ASHAM PrEP guidelines, and that will take you through the uh, five different stages of prescribing PrEP, um, just assessing if the patient is initially, uh, you know, uh, uh, eligible for PrEP, um, and then you need to make sure when you talk to them they haven't got any uh, contraindications to being on PrEP. And the tool takes us through that, doesn't it? Michael, because I, I prescribe PrEP maybe once or twice a year in my um, general practice and I always go to the tool because it's a reminder, it reminds me what I need to test for, but it's all written there clearly for GPs, isn't it? Oh, it, it's such a wonderful tool uh, and I, every time I do my PrEP uh, prescribing, I can go to the tool and make sure I don't forget uh, any of the particular parts. Fantastic. Yeah, and that's real endorsement because you're doing it far more often than I am. But um, one of the things I was going to say to Michael, of course, is that, that the GPs we're talking to have skills in prescribing because they're doing it all the time in other conditions. They know about the importance of discussing side effects. They know about the um, importance of bringing patients back for review. So it's similar to other um, practices that we're doing all the time. So don't forget that we're using you know, our GP skills all the time. This is just a nice little tweak and we're talking to you about some resources that make it more doable. I might just flick to Jimmy then. From a community perspective, Jimmy, what are the top three reasons do you think that people seek PrEP? Um, I would say because it's really easy to prevent HIV uh, and also uh, I guess we don't always have opportunity to bring condom with us. Uh, like I remember back in when I was young, uh, not when I was down, sorry, when I was, uh, I guess, um, back then when before my HIV diagnosis, uh, I bring condoms sometimes, but often that not always have the opportunity to have condom and you don't want to spend that much money to uh, on condom when you probably only have sex once a month. So, and the third one is also, uh, it's a big relief uh, in terms of uh, HIV anxiety. Uh, there's a lot of clients coming to testing clinic and they starting asking about PrEP. It's also because they feel uh, uh, there's a lot of stigma around HIV. So they wanted to find a way they can prevent HIV, uh, which could be helpful for them. But alternatively, I guess, to really understand what HIV means uh, to them and also to understand uh, HIV's uh, medication these days, like to being undetectable also uh, is a 
prevention strategy as well. Yeah, that's good advice. Thank you, um, Jimmy. So that notion that, you know, from a community perspective, it's acceptable and GPs are a readily um, available resource to help promote the use of PrEP. So thanks, Michael, because you've made that very clear. So um, PrEP's there to keep our patients safe, to improve their well-being, and to decrease HIV transmission. So really useful prevention strategy. So Michael, we've been talking about pre-exposure prophylaxis or PrEP, but what would you do in the case that a patient comes and they explain to you that they've been um, exposed to HIV recently? So tell me a little bit about post-exposure prophylaxis. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Miriam. That's a that's a very good question. Um, I guess the analogy is, you know, contraception, whereas uh, uh, you know people are on the pill um, to prevent a pregnancy. We've got in the HIV world, we've got the same the same uh, situation. Beforehand, we've got PrEP, which is pre-exposure exposure prophylaxis, uh, and then if there's a, an event at risk and you're very worried, uh, you can get the post-exposure PrEP. The names are a bit confusing, but pre and post, that's the key messages. And if someone came in and they were very concerned, I'd say, well, I wanted, I'd want to take the history. I want to learn how, uh, how high the risk was. Maybe the risk wasn't uh, significant at all, but if they did have a significant risk, and I would make use of um, uh, the, the, uh, the ASHAM uh, post-exposure prophylaxis guidelines, um, they can be pretty good, but you know it, it does take a little while to get through them. Um, if I was in a situation where I wasn't familiar with those guidelines, I'd send them up to the local hospital accident and emergency department, because all hospital accident and emergency departments have available a course for post-exposure prophylaxis. Uh, and the important thing, of course, is they need to get up there before 72 hours has elapsed. So there's always a bit of hurry. Yeah, so that, that time sensitivity of post-exposure prophylaxis is worth reinforcing to our GP audience. So um, these patients might present um, requesting um, some treatment because the community has made them aware it's available or indeed you do an assessment and recognise someone is um, eligible for it, but through EDs. And if you're not sure, in audience, remember we've said there's that one-stop shop, that friendly um, on-call person, and that's the sexual health information link that will also tell us where you can go to get some information. So it's useful to know that there's this preventative strategy, that daily prep, or for those that choose not to use that as a prevention strategy, we do have post-exposure prophylaxis that can help prevent transmission. So we're hearing about different options there. Um, but Michael, lots of patients um, in the community do know about PrEP and they do know about PEP, but it's still really important to have conversations about other prevention strategies such as condoms or such as testing. And how do you do that as a GP? How do you bring that up into a conversation? Uh, well, um, obviously, if they if they self-present, so that's a, a doorway that I, I'm very keen to go go down. Um, if they don't bring it up, uh, it's always an interesting uh, uh, area to ask. You know, how how are things with your partner? Any worries there? Any you know, fears of risky conversations? And of course, we know we've got some uh, older methods which are very reliable. Uh, condoms are very effective at reducing um, 
the uh, the risk of HIV and other sexually transmitted infections. Um, I guess, Miriam, we always need to recognise that pre-exposure prophylaxis is great, but it's only really working against preventing HIV. Uh, so it's not really having an effect against preventing uh, chlamydia or gonorrhea or syphilis. And that's where the condoms come in, isn't it? So that's, yeah, that's really important. Condoms are very helpful, very helpful, very helpful. Uh, so also getting tested uh, regularly every three to six months or, or, or as needed, depending on your level of risk, is very important. Getting tested for HIV is important, but also getting tested for these other 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 infections is important as well. And we know, Miriam, that with these other infections, half the time people haven't got symptoms. So, you know, it, it just to, to, to be to be really sure it's better to get tested. So appropriate testing can be used as a prevention strategy then to an early detection strategy. So so Jimmy, you mentioned coming to Australia and, and some language difficulties and I guess um, we know that, that that, of course, is a barrier. Have you got some suggestions for our GPs um, listening, that ways to have these conversations with patients where language may be a bit of an issue? Um, yeah, so in terms of for, uh, for people who's, who don't speak English as a first language at their home country, uh, I guess uh, with the barrier, uh, the language probably is a very difficult one. Uh, it takes time for them to actually building confidence uh, to going to see a GP, uh, having consultation, and there's something cooking in their minds or like worried, like nervous. What is the test results will be like? Would I be able to afford this consultation because the consultation fee wasn't really clear on the website or the booking form? So there's a various of barriers. Uh, but with the language, I would say um, to really, uh, if the GP could be uh, could speak maybe slower, uh, they can help clients to understand, or maybe asking clients um, like uh, part of it that uh, have if they have any questions they would like to address uh, while what GP was talking about, or maybe any other concern. But in terms of like for uh, language, uh, uh, for people who don't speak English as first language, sometimes uh, could be a potential way they approach GP is differently as well. So from my home country, uh, GP or doctor always be the person who's asking the questions, uh, rather me being, uh, being proactive asking GP uh, questions. So. Now that's really interesting, Jimmy, because the last person that came to me for PrEP, or the last time I prescribed PrEP, was actually a patient initiating it. So what I'm hearing you say is in some cultures that wouldn't be appropriate. So that's really up to the GP to raise that that issue then. So that's really valuable to know. Um, I've also sometimes used some um, uh, information sheets in different languages. So um, the prescribing information can be uh, presented in different languages for patients, so that can be a really useful tool as well. So, so Michael, we've got patients presenting to general practice all the time, and how do we know which ones we should be offering STI testing to? Uh, well, um, um, obviously, we should be aware that uh, people uh, at different times of their life can be uh, can be at risk for STIs, uh, young people particularly, uh, particularly with HIV. There are different community groups that can be at risk. 
uh, we need to create an atmosphere where people can talk and uh, feel safe to bring up issues that are um, sensitive. We need to be uh, respectful uh, and sensitive, um, but also just have it uh, have like a, a you know a, 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 a plan in our minds that with young people, you know, every year we you know we approach this particular topic and offer them the opportunity for for testing. And I think that normalising it, Michael, is so important, isn't it? So, um, you know, this is what yeah, yeah, what I do routinely. This is what I offer everyone in your age group that comes in. So, it, yeah, that normalising can really help um, patients feel at ease when you're offering it. Yep, very much so. Um, and um, uh, practice software can have a role. Uh, it can it can be a prompter. Uh, we're also going into uh, the RACGP new triennium. Um, so this is an important area that we can do uh, more, 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 uh, do better at in general practice, and we could even, you know, in your individual practice, you could even explore implementing a practice improvement strategy. A uh, good way to, good way to get points. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, for example, you could do a brief audit of of the last. 20 patients that you saw and just think about whether you actually interrogate your notes. Did you offer sexual health screening? Was it appropriate to consider that in those patients? And what would you do to highlight um, reminding yourself to offer sexual health screening or bring up the topic about people's sexual health? Because as you said earlier, Michael, it's so important to remember our sexual health and well-being is a big part of our health generally. So um, there's lots of different ways to do it. You can do a plan, do study act cycle. So many ways to actually get double bang for your buck, if you like. We're really helping our patients, helping our community, and we're getting some of those hard to get uh, CPD hours. So some really good ideas there. Um, so Identifying HIV risk then, Michael, how, how do we know who we should be providing this HIV prevention messaging to? Um, well, really everyone, I think, Miriam. Um, we, we know that uh, general practice uh, has an opportunity to meet with people throughout the community. Uh, we have an opportunity to support all our patients, uh, keeping them well in all areas of their health, including sexual health. Um, HIV uh, is, an, is something that we uh, need to, to uh, look for. Uh, we need to be aware of. Um, and uh, if we're in a time-pressed situation, we may be uh, fortunate enough to be working in collaboration with a nursing colleague uh, and uh, incorporating this into some kind of uh, routine annual review of health, uh, positioning sexual health. That's a great idea, sharing the load. I think Michael sounds fantastic and using some different expertise. So I think that's a really great way to be thinking about how we could be offering this in an opportunistic way to our patients. Yeah, so Marion, if we've got a practice nurse, that's someone that we can turn to and you know work with well in a team uh, and that can be very beneficial for the patient. That's great. So, so Jimmy, we've heard from a GP's perspective, you know, what we can do um, to help facilitate some prevention strategies. But from a community's perspective, if someone's thinking about going on to PrEP and asking their GP, what, what things do you think GPs should know to make this a, an easier journey? Um, I guess as a person who I also identify as a man having sex as men, which is a gay man, uh, I find the language that GP using uh, is quite important as well. Um, so they can maybe starting with the uh, badge like have their pronouns like he, him, or she, 
upper, late, land. So with the pronouns, they could be a badge they can use on their... Um... So for example, Jimmy, would we just say to a patient, how would you, how would you like to be addressed or, you know, how, what, what pronouns would you like me to use? What, what do you think? Is that, would that be comfortable? Uh, yeah, I would say that it's uh, a way could be approached as well. I will simply, uh, like maybe GP, they can do a, put a, like a pin on their t-shirt. So to show there's in a way supporting the community, they don't discriminate it uh, because I don't always go to see GP. But when I see that kind of uh, sign, or like kind of uh, inclusive environments is actually making me more comfortable that knowing I'm at the right place and they know how to take care of me at their province. Yeah, that's a fantastic pointer, isn't it? If people feel welcome from the outset, um, then they're more likely to be open to some questioning from the GP. So I think that's a really useful point, Jimmy. And also our practice software will often prompt us to look at the pronouns that a patient or um, wants to use. So I think they're great strategies. And what else? What else can we do, Jimmy, to help um, facilitate patients feeling comfortable asking us about PrEP? Um, I would say uh, really normalising, uh, what Michael was mentioned earlier, normalising HIV testing uh, and also normalising also helping to break the HIV stigma. So people will actually be more comfortable to uh, talking about HIV and then uh, hopefully, eventually, this is one day that the stigma won't be uh, won't be happening uh, in the future. Uh, but with this, I guess uh, be aware about stigma. So they're good good points. I think it's also useful, isn't it, to remember, Jimmy, that um, sometimes we GPs can come across as a little bit too directive, a little bit too bossy, um, and being really conscious that this is a journey with a patient who is an adult making decisions. And so using language such as you should always use condoms or you must never use drugs is probably going to drive some of our patients away and isn't realistic. So being guided by the patient who's making decisions and helping them understand the best prevention strategy for them is probably a good way to go. So Jimmy, before we were talking about potential language barriers and I meant to mention the translation and interpreting service that GPs can use which can be a really useful resource and you can just phone up when the patient's there and get some uh, appropriate language um, translation. So have you had any experience with that? Uh, at the at, at the sexual health clinic, we do have sometimes have clients uh, don't always confident about their uh, English, so we may refer them to different clinic who have uh, capacity to see them and speak their uh, first language, or otherwise can use the interpreter, which is really helpful, and it actually uh, making the clients feel more comfortable to talking about their concern as well. Yeah, no, that's really helpful to know. And I certainly in rural areas, it's a, a really invaluable resource. So, um, and Jimmy, I know I'm harping you with questions at the moment, but it's really useful for our GPs to hear from someone who's got this lived experience and is working within the community. And I'm just wondering what you've heard might be some of the reasons or the barriers that uh, a community member may not ask their GP or may not go to their GP for PrEP. So inform us about what barriers we're putting up that perhaps we're not aware of. 
even these days, people still come into clinic and don't know what is PrEP. They heard about it, but they don't know what is PrEP for because their, pun their sexual partner taking it, but not necessarily applied to it. Yeah, so the GP can ask and, and also has a role in um, finding out about it so that they can help um, educate patients in that area as well. So I think that's really useful. And we've heard um, about our resources, many of the resources that we're going to just summarise in a moment, but don't forget that you can see the links to them in the show notes section of this podcast. Um, so, Michael. We're talking about some support, uh, some information for GPs, and a lot of things that we think GPs should be doing. And I'm, you know, sitting here as a GP, knowing that there are many groups out there telling us that it's our job to fix this or fix that. What ready resources are there available for GPs so that we really can increase our awareness and our offering of STI testing and HIV testing and the prescribing of PrEP? Well, uh, Miriam, thank you very much. A very helpful question. Uh, I very much like to get on get onto the phone and ring up my uh, local friendly consultant, uh, whom I've tried to build a relationship with. So when I reach a, a position where I need some extra advice, I can gain that advice. Uh, so for sexual health, it's usually the sexual health physician, the sexual health centre, or the local infectious diseases uh, person. Great people to resource. Uh, on the net, we've got a great set of resources as well. There's uh, all of the ASHAM uh, tools. There's a wonderful ASHAM resource, uh, STI guidelines, which is brilliant, updated regularly, addresses the full spectrum of STI challenging uh, infections and diseases, gives you, uh, you know, excellent uh, advice on you know, testing and diagnosis and treatment and follow-up uh, and contact tracing, all the things that are you know, really essential for good practice and best care for individuals and communities. And um, and of course, we, we highlighted earlier the uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis uh, support uh, resources that are available through ASHAM, um, the HIV support program that's available, uh, the sexual health info link that we've talked about. Uh, there's there's a lot of resources, um, and people are, are you know are very committed and uh, you know appropriate and respectful uh, in seeking to provide the information and support that you need. So there's many, many ready RECNA tools, if you like, um, and as we mentioned, that um, helping hand with the sexual health information link as well. So again, links to all of these sites are available in the show notes section at the end of this podcast. So we've heard a lot today. We've been privileged to be joined by Michael with his expertise um, as a GP that's working in this area and has done so for many years. And we've also heard Jimmy's wisdom as a person who's living with HIV and working in the community. And I'm just wondering, as we leave this podcast today, what are your takeaways? Jimmy, what's the one takeaway you'd really like GPs to remember from this podcast today? Um, as a person living with HIV, uh, I would like to say to all the GPs who are listening to this podcast, uh, knowing and also aware of breaking HIV stigma is also on your shoulder as well. Yeah, that's very wise, Jimmy. It's challenging but wise. And so, Michael, how do we do that as a, as a GP? What's your takeaway to help GPs take up that challenge that Jimmy just gave us? Um, thanks, Miriam. Um, yes, creating an environment that is uh, open and uh, supportive and respectful uh, and then recognising that uh, sexual health is a, a very much a, an everyday part of general practice. It's something we, we need to feel confident with and we need to ensure that our 
patients feel uh, comfortable to bring that issue up to us. And then of course we've got some fantastic new resources. In the toolkit we've now got pre-exposure prophylaxis and we know that is a wonderful resource and very much a major contributor to reducing the uh, problems that HIV causes in the community. And yes, uh, so and the pre-exposure prophylaxis, that's the medicine, plus getting tested routinely. That's wonderful. So GPs out there, we are part of this success story. We are one of the reasons why we have low rates of transmission and we want to keep that going. So it's up to us. We're seeing patients at the coalface and we are part of the prevention strategy by having conversations, bringing up the topic, being respectful of our patients and ensuring we're offering prevention advice in the way that you've heard today. And all of us can be part of reducing the stigma and the incidence of HIV in our communities. Thank you for joining us today.